0: In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's
1: Drew. D'Amico Ryans threw out the first pitch admirably. He even went from the rubber,
0: John. That was cool. I, he did. Which, that's, a, that's a baller move. If you were to ask me what you would do on a first pitch... That's probably the first one I would say don't do. Do not go up on top of the rubber because I don't think people understand that mound, the height of that mound. I don't want to say it's intimidating, but it throws you off because you've been practicing and you're on flat land, you're on flat land, and all of a sudden you go up there and you're like, whoa, wait a second. It could throw you off, but if you, if you haven't been up there, but he went up there and just delivered it. Very, very well done. And I've said last night to Mark on all access. That's one of my bucket list items. I want to throw out the first pitch of the game. Yeah. I want to throw out the first pitch, not at a Texans game, but an Astros game. So Mm -hmm. I want to raise my profile so high that they have to have me to throw out a first pitch. I bet it could happen.
1: It's not. So I've seen other people that are not of your stature throw out first pitches. And I've thought about that often, you know, throwing from the mound and throwing a strike. Cause I, I mean, I play catch with my boys I head coached a baseball team. Yep. So, you know, I threw the ball around a little bit recently, but then that's different than being in front of a bunch of folks, being up on a mound on a major league. So, yeah, I would not have gone from the mound. I would have just stayed right in front, fired a strike, you know, casually, because I also I have a problem with trying too hard sometimes. It, it bit me this weekend. I was yeah. playing in a softball tournament, and um, I haven't played softball in 20 years, you know, like swung a bat, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I fouled one off. Look goofy. I used to be a decent softball player right out of college, mm-hmm. you know, and in college. I was, I could handle my business. And uh, second one, man, sharp grounder. They, they kind of hit me when I was running to first. It was an errant throw. Yeah. And I instantly thought, I'm going to take two. <laughs> yeah. Should've, I should have just jogged straight up the first baseline and casually turned to the fence and come back to first. But like an idiot, I went, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get second base. And, <laughs> Sometime sometime (laughs) in the last 20 years, my brain and my legs, yeah, they kind of disconnected. So like there's no turning or sharp. So I basically made a wide, way too wide turn. Yep. And fell all over myself like a giraffe. Uh and yeah, skinned my elbow, hurt my shoulder a little bit, my left shoulder, and fell down. It was embarrassing. It was really, really embarrassing. And what what compounded the embarrassment was. Some of the kids that I coached actually saw it. Oh so man! I'm worried that the
0: veneer is gone. Oh man! It, anyways, yeah. That's life. The things that you realize you can't do, yeah. Um, now that you used to be able to do, mine is probably basketball. I mean, I I played baseball, you know, growing up. So, mm-hmm. um, I haven't swung a bat in in forever. But going back on the basketball court, yeah, we used to do, we we did that. When we went to the Greenbrier in 17. You, well, no, 18. See, we we've done this a lot actually. You never. So, okay
1: that's a big big difference though you have been playing pickup basketball on a semi-regular basis for a while I'm not joking man the last time I played softball was like 2000 mm-hmm. like the spring summer of or no summer fall of 2000 I just graduated college yeah long time like got up 23 years back then I got up to plate first time laced a liner on yeah. the left field line. It's a lot of alliteration for an anxious anchor. <laughs> I was coming into second. I saw him kind of casually throwing a second in that part of my brain that like I compete too hard and I yeah. try too hard. So I took third base. Yeah. I did it fine back then, but I'm not 23 anymore. So yeah. I was ranging, uh, down, ranging down fly balls like Mickey Mantle and center. It was just, yeah. I, my brain shut off. But here's this the thing. Saturday, but, I thought, but, oh, I can still do, this. and I can't.
0: But here's the thing, though: if you if you got back to playing regularly, you probably could do a lot of what you used to do. Probably. I mean,
1: like I've, I'm, I'm in okay shape. I can swim a mile. You yeah. know, I swim in the mornings, but like I, I just, that's passive stuff. Like there's no cutting involved. I lift weights, but there's no like explosion involved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just embarrassing. Yeah. Golly, I hate being old. You know who's not embarrassing, John? Who? The Texans rookies. Now, we didn't see much on the field, but we saw a few things. And a few things stood out to me. And I don't know how much you've touched on this with Mark. I've heard some of what y'all said, but not all of it. But here's a few things I want to talk about Stroud and Tank Dell specifically. Just my little odd observations. And I want you to tuck away your observations and bring them up in just a bit. But one of the fun things we saw from Stroud. It kind of took me back, and I think Mark brought it up, but one of the first plays, and it was a, it was a basic play. It's nothing exotic, but seeing him do the bootleg, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a part of this offense oh, yeah. because it's a derivation of Gary Kubiak's offense that we saw here back when. But it was nice seeing that integrated very, very early on in a practice, and we've and we've seen it over the years here in between. You know, when when O'Brien was running that offense, and the offense we've seen over the last few years, but it was just. It's clear that that's going to be a point of emphasis in this offense. And there was, you're basically jogging while you're doing it, but just seeing that placed back in made my heart smile.
0: It's such a staple in this offense. Mm -hmm. Um, You think of so many different quarterbacks of so many different shapes and forms and abilities that have run that particular play and run it such that they get a wide open passing pocket with all the time to look and deliver. And when you have a guy that can throw the ball with such accurate ball placement is so precise, like CJ Stroud, if you just give him that window, he's going to find it. And that, that becomes really, really interesting. And obviously he can move too. So he's always going to put, defenders in a bind when he is out on the move Um, and sure there are other things that this offense has to be able to do but if you said all right give me some absolutes your your bootleg game has to be on point because there's so many different things that happen once a quarterback gets out of the pocket and the rush has been sucked in towards the run and the quarterback is now Outside the pocket, he's somewhere between the hash and the numbers, and he's just looking at the field. As a defensive back, you're like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. And so if you're in man coverage, well, obviously you just you just stay in man coverage. But if you're in zone coverage, if you're – say you're in cover two, if you're the flat defender, like, okay, the he's booting at me. Do I keep sinking? Because if I keep sinking deep underneath the the deeper routes, man, he's going to run for five to seven yards at a minimum before I can even get there. Now, do I break forward to go tackle him? Well, all of a sudden he'll throw the ball over me and I'll get in trouble for that. So well, listen, listen to what you just said. Listen to what
1: you just said. I love this. You you make the defense and the guys on defense think about so many right. more things than they normally would not have. Absolutely. To. I love that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, that's no, that's 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 essentially when you think about football, that's exactly what you want to do. I mean, I'm, I'm I remember, what you're doing is
1: not complicated, no, but it's no. forcing them to be complicated.
0: And I mean, that's, you know, we used to always say that on the offensive side, you know, coach on the offensive side of the ball, look, they're a bunch of meatheads on defense. They just want to run and hit people, <laughs> make them think a little bit. Now, you can't get to a point where you're thinking so much, like I think they're thinking that we think that they think that we think that they think that we're going to yeah. do this and think that, no, but we're going to, you can't think that, but you just have to have, situations. And I think the scheme itself is just tailor-made for putting a defense in a bind. What are you going to do defensive tackle when we block this way? What are you going to do defensive end when we do this? What are you going to do safety if we give you this? What are you going to do corner if you're in zone and we do this? And so I think the bootleg is one of those plays that puts so many people on the defensive side in really a, a world of hurt and it, it, it's almost it, it becomes almost an either or situation and you know you run the first play of the game or whatever it is and you run a zone run and you're like okay you got people in the box coach in the box are looking at it going all right what did the defensive end do you crash hard what the backside linebacker do did they lever spill like how did how did they play this did they run through the backside what do they do on that zone play and then you make the next couple you go a couple plays you come back to it and now you and you pull it out and you bootleg and you get a look at what they're looking at. And I, I just remember there were so many different things. There were so many different wrinkles that came off of the bootleg. I remember when Kyle Shanahan was calling it here in 09. Mm-hmm. And I remember Andre running a route where he was on the backside. So the boot was booting towards him, but he was running. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the bootleg was going away from him. So he would start across the field. And so it was like you were going to boot, and then you know Matt would throw it and meet it. But then what would happen was Andre would pivot and go back the other way, and you're like, whoa, it's a long throw. Mm-hmm. But invariably that route was open all the time. So Owen Daniels do that a lot, and I've seen more teams do that in the last you know ten to fifteen years, where you start on a boot and then you go back the other way, and the corner is lost because the corner is trying to run with that, and then you go the back the other way. Now it's a long throw, but they're just wrinkles that you can have off of movement off of that bootleg action and if you make the run fake look like the run play you just are going to get that many more eyes on you and it's that split second it's the split second to give tank dell a step or two to run that inside post um you know on a safety that's now looking at the run it's just enough to get dalton schultz down the seam where he needs to get so um or across the field there're just a lot of different things you can do once you put a quarterback on the move and you force the defense to think now defensive guys you know, I mean I was joking a little bit but you want them thinking yeah you don't you want to... them getting out of reactive mode you don't want them
1: yeah you want to make things tougher on them and that's yeah. one thing mentally that
0: And that's doing. what this that's what it absolutely does so those mechanics the ball fake or the handoff Those two things for C.J. Stroud have to look the exact same because there are some things that defenders can read and know, okay, that's bootleg, that's a run. A lot just reading hats of the offensive linemen. Is that high hat? Is that low hat? Then they can figure that out, whether it's run or not. So, But if they're caught looking in the backfield, which a lot of guys will do, you can catch them. You can catch them peeking, and those are the guys you can exploit. And who knows when you exploit one for a touchdown, that's the difference in a game. I mean, think of how many games in 2022 – Drew, you know this. Mm-hmm. What, nine, 10 games we had, uh, we either had the lead, were tied, or within a score going into the fourth quarter, starting the fourth quarter. You know, that was a team that was not exceptional, let's be honest. And yet they were in all those games. Well, what happens if you, in those three or four, you know, three or four of those games, you make one of those plays in the fourth quarter and you win a couple early? Well, then maybe that turns into winning a few games down the road. And who knows what that could turn into. You just said the words
1: tank Dell and I tank Dell explosive. Shifty, one of the leaders in touchdowns, receiving yards over the last couple of years in college football, but the slight frame is what is always mentioned with Tank Dell. Well, it's, what what are the what are the specifics? Five eight, one sixty
0: five. If that... he's lucky, yeah.
1: Okay, and I hear that, and so that instantly makes me think, oh, he's tiny. He's going to look like, you know, a, a water bug out there. And then when he was out there on the field. He's not big, obviously, but he doesn't, he just doesn't look as small as you would think those dimensions are. Like he, he looked like he belonged out there, John. Sure. He did not look like he was some sort of, you know, novelty. I mean, he just seen him in pads or not pads, but shoulder pads and helmet and next to everybody with a jersey on. He looked like he belonged. Okay. And that's before he catches anything. That's before he makes any moves. It did not, it, it was not, out of place am i am i kind of clear on what i'm saying here like he looks like yeah he's he should be there you know
0: yeah regardless of his size i mean no no you're exactly right i don't think he he,
1: looked really teeny tiny when he was out there like you would think he would when you see those numbers for his height and his weight put up and you you know what the numbers are normally
0: when you see him it's interesting because when you see him in a hallway you go dang you know, cause he still has a little bit of a baby face too. So sure. You know, he, he just, he looks well, that's like
1: you and I are old as hell now. No, that's just true. We're in our, 40s it, it's 50s, very so. true. So
0: that's skews, that skews everything really. Yeah. Um, and I'm 51. I, I'm not scared to say it, but right, right. you do, you, you see him and you think, boy, um, but then you see him on the field and, and I, it's interesting you say that drew because I, I have not looked at him ever as being out of place. From the time I was talking to Dana Holgerson Mm -hmm. before the kickoff game in 2021, since that moment, when he said that's the most electrifying player I've ever coached and thinking back, thinking back to all the players that he has coached, I thought, boy, that's a, okay. And then on the field, you realize, wow. Wow. And I mean, think about it this way. If you get out on a, on a Houston freeway, right. You're amongst all these F one fifties and, you know, you know, big infinities and all these big SUVs and trucks and all that kind of stuff, you know. But if you've got a Maserati, I mean, those trucks can't hold a candle to that Maserati. That Maserati doesn't look out of place. I think scooting in between cars and getting to places because it's so quick. I mean, he is the Maserati of this group. And so he may not physically look the part you see him in a huddle and you're like, he's those guys tower over him. But then when he's out running routes, Everybody and their brother is scared of him. Yeah, and that's a that's a fear that I love that the Texans now have that they have at le- at least one at least one player, and there are, I think going to be others, but at least one player where you look at it and go, oh, man, defenses have to account for him. Yeah. Now, I wish the Colts wouldn't have gotten one too. They went out and got Josh Downs, and it's kind of the same concept. And the Downs is a little bit bigger. But I think Tank's a little bit more electric. So, you know, those two teams, kind of it's interesting how the Colts and the Texans att- attacked the draft. They they both went out and got quarterbacks. They yeah. both went out and got dynamic interior passing weapons that can be used in a lot of different places on the field. But they just wanted to put pressure on, on defenses, which is not something that they were able to do really. I mean, after the Colts lost Jonathan Taylor, it was downhill. And, you know, the Texans really struggled all year offensively. But, but they did have something when Damian Pierce was carrying a football. So now you got Pierce. Now you got tank Dell. Hopefully you're going to get something for John Metchie, which would be fantastic. You know, Nico, Robert Woods gets brought in. Noah Brown comes in and then Dalton Schultz, who you know, depending on where you want to classify him, tight end receiver. I don't care. He's just a pass catching weapon. That's the way i look at it. Sure. So you add all that in and now you've got guys that a make a defense, think a little bit and B man, as a defender, really the only recourse you have in certain cases is well, I got back up. I got to move back. Well, sometimes that's all you need is just a half step here, a step there. You're further back than you would be. I mean, watching defenses against the Texas the last couple of years, they just, they just camp. they just look for Damian Pierce, especially last year. And they would just camp everybody around a box and they, they would dare you. It was like 1995 football, which 1990s college football it was like, there'd be two tight ends. a fullback, a wingback and there would be 20 guys in the box, and it was like, okay, run against this, and yet you would. And, you know, people got smart and stopped doing that, and hopefully that's what the Texans will be is smart and won't have to do that. And they'll run when they're looking for a pass. They'll pass when they're looking for a run. They'll put quarterbacks on the move, and I think that's going to end up being a really, really good thing when you put it all together. Now, will it happen week one? Uh, don't know. Um, you know, new things take time, but hopefully in due time, they'll get to a point where this offense is really, really fun and effective to watch.
1: Love it. All right. Let's end with a Twitter question of the day.
0: The position group on this
1: Texans team for 2023 heading into OTAs right now that looks to be the strongest on paper is.
0: I think the secondary. I think the secondary, you you can make a case that if you just said, Give me the top five players for the Texans right now. Who are your top five players? I mean, I think one is Laramie Tunsell. Two through five will probably be Damian Pierce, Jalen Petrie. Jalen Petrie would be in that mix, right? I mean, I would I would think. Yep. You know, Shaq Mason, you know, is added to that mix. I don't know how far down you get before you get to Jimmy Ward. So now you're talking Petrie and Ward. Those are your safeties. You had Stingley, hopefully. Uh, you know, in a, in a defensive scheme that will feature him a little bit more and and he'll play a full season. Steven Nelson, I thought, was really, really good. I don't think that's talked about enough. I don't think it's talked about how good Steven Nelson was last year. And then you add Shaquille Griffin to the mix just this past weekend. So now you're talking about a secondary that's not... Desmond King and Tavier Thomas. Right. Pretty the Detroit duo. Yeah. Guys that have been really good for the last good couple players. of years. You now have, I think, bordering on elite players and you now have depth. Now it's a matter of that pass rush. John Grenard, uh, Chase Winovich, Jerry Hughes, Will Anderson, making sure that they get to the quarterback to allow that secondary to make even more plays than they did last year. So I think that secondary to me is, I mean, it's tough because I think the offensive line with the addition of Shaq Mason and I think Kenyon Green's going to turn that corner this year. And I think Kenyon was on the, the verge of doing it last year, but he got hurt in that Raiders game, and I don't think he was ever right after that. So I think Kenyon Green, fully healthy, Shaq Mason, the fold. I think the offensive line's got an opportunity. Now we got to see you play center and how that center adapts to potentially having a rookie behind and CJ Stroud or, you know, whomever, mm-hmm. um, a new quarterback to them. So at that point, I think the offensive line could be there, but I just look at the secondary and think, boy, that that unit went from being absolutely God awful in 2021 to being better, but not all the way there in 2022 to being potentially really good in 2023. And again, To your point, you're bringing up Dez and Tav and I brought up, you know, guys before that. That, That's seven guys that have, you know, had experience in this league. Guys have gone to Pro Bowls um, or highly rated uh, draft picks or, you know, high draft picks. Just when you think you have enough, you need a little bit more. When you think it's not enough, you're in a lot of trouble. I think this group you look at and go, boy, I mean, they got seven guys for five spots. What are they going to do? No, that's exactly what you need. Yeah. it's exactly what you need to be good in a secondary.
1: Let me add to this. You you brought up mainly the talent and who's there, which I think is that's what I was asking, and that's perfect. And I'll add to this. They're probably all going to be put into a scheme and a defense that's going to be more advantageous for them. And for everyone around them, I think it's going to be more helpful, which I think will only make that secondary look better yeah. and be better. So absolutely, I mean, I like it. I like your you opinion.
0: throw all that together. You throw in good coaching, good scheme, with some top-notch players, and you got an opportunity to have to have something. Now, sure, I don't know that people would look at the pass defense last year and go, "Oh, that was the big issue." It, it wasn't. No. It wasn't the big issue. Stopping the run is, Um, and I think they've done a lot to bolster it. When you talk about Sheldon Rankins and uh, Hassan Ridgeway being added to Malik Collins, Roy Lopez, et cetera. Then you put Will Anderson on the edge, uh, also bringing in Chase Winovich. You've made a lot of additions up front, too. I think maybe the biggest might be Desmond Perryman at linebacker, Denzel Perryman at linebacker. That group better stop the run. Yeah. Karen Simple, if you said, what's one thing they have to do? That's it. They've got to stop the run to allow that secondary to go make plays on the ball, to stay out of we can't have another year where two safeties lead this team in tackles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, JP5 is going to be in there a lot because that's just the way he plays the game, and he's going to make a lot of tackles. Yeah, but, but you don't want that volume, but, yeah, yeah, that, that volume. Yeah, that volume was just ridiculous. That can't happen. It's got to be Perriman. It's got to be Christian Harris. It's got to be a linebacker, a yeah. team in tackles. Sure. Safeties are back there making plays, but they've got to help in the run defense, too. It's not like, you know, Jalen Petrie can't have 85 tackles this year. You know, he's got to be a 100-tackle guy, but he can't be 150 or whatever it was. That's ridiculous. That can't happen. John Harris, always good to be with you, my
1: friend. Grow from the flat, not from the mound. There you go. We'll see you next time on Texans in the Lab.